0: America Uh, we start on the coast and work our way inland um, and this is where I trade my biologist hat for my geologist hat and we're reading the sequence of rocks to understand environments through time as you go through rock strata that's preserving sediments That's sediments that preserve different environments through time and uh, this is mainly a lot of walking around taking notes taking photos talking a lot with your colleagues and um, that's the fundamental basis for understanding anything about the sequence of fossils through time this is great. This is that moment of discovery. Uh, my Chilean student, Carolina Goodstein, who actually just got her PhD, uh, this is literally 30 seconds after she discovered the ear bone of a fossil dolphin, split in half. She can put those two pieces together. I love her her smile here. Uh, she let her later excavated this, that skeleton with her students. You can kind of see here what the Atacama looks like. Just great exposures of rock, no vegetation. Uh, again, fantastic for a paleontologist. and. Besides discovery, the other big reward about doing paleontology, especially internationally, I think, as um, my colleagues would attest, it's that interpersonal interaction is working with foreign colleagues uh, across languages, across institutions. Our work in the Atacama combines uh, different national museums from different countries, uh, different universities, students from different universities and faculty, and even local museums. And so this is where the story picks up here. Mario Suarez, uh, he's uh, Chilean. And he calls himself Tuareg. He wants you to know that he's a desert rat. Uh, Tuareg like the African nomads of the desert. But he kept on telling me about this fossil site that was in tremendous jeopardy. Uh, He's a man that's quite a character, and he's prone to a little bit of embellishment. So we were working very hard initially down there in our first few field seasons, and I kind of didn't believe him. And uh, I just said, we'll get to it, we'll get to it, you know, we're doing some other stuff. And then finally, towards the end of our, our field season in 2011, we actually went to this site, this whale site by the highway. And we rolled up and we saw whale skeleton after whale skeleton. There's over 40 skeletons um, In my in my business. I don't wish a whale skeleton on anyone. They're fantastic and tremendous when they're mounted in a museum Excavating them getting them into back into a museum. That's an ordeal and I don't wish one on anyone certainly not over 40 so um, This site was actually uncovered right next to the Pan American Highway. Uh, this was exposed because of geopolitics Chile, Chile is becoming Uh, a geopolitical force in South America. They have mineral resources, especially in the Atacama, that many other countries would like. So they're expanding the Pan-American Highway. In doing so, they uncovered this giant site. Because patrimony laws are very strongly enforced in Chile, we had the opportunity to come in here and collect this data. The bones were saved. But what's important is you want to know the context of the bones. What is their arrangement? What kind of rocks are they preserved? in? a lot of important scientific clues to answer the ultimate question, why? So this was a little overwhelming. I didn't know what quite to do. And we were at the end of our field campaign in 2011, what I thought was our last field campaign. And uh, I was just kind of turning that coin over in my mind. And then I realized that part of the answer to this problem, what to do about this, because we were losing data by the day. We had one more month to do anything with this site before everything was removed. At that time, there was an incipient program through the... Uh, digitization program office to deploy 3D digitization, digital tools that capture 3D information about objects, about the environment. There are two guys who are now known as the laser cowboys. They were my answer. And so two weeks later, we were back. Um, And actually, it was a wasn't as easy as that. We had to do a lot of travel arrangements and planning. Uh, This was largely improvised because nobody had done this before. And what they did is they brought a lot of their, basically every digital tool they had, from a high-resolution laser scanner, a long-range laser scanner, and we were even recording time-lapse footage that we uploaded live to the web. That's something I'm really proud of, is that we kind of described this in real time as best we could because we had a Wi-Fi hub that was sponsored by National Geographic. But again, this was all improvised because nobody had ever had to do this kind of thing, especially under the time constraints we had. By the time we got back to the Atacama Desert, we had one week. And um, very quickly, Adam and Vince, the two laser cowboys, were deploying their gear, uh, taking time lapse videos. Time lapse videos were especially important because we wanted to know what we were doing and record it for our own benefit in the future, not just for public dissemination, which is important. We want to know what we were doing, because we're working night and day. now, what's important is, not, we didn't always get along in trying to figure out how to do this. There was a lot of discussion. Sometimes it got pretty heated. Uh, they're all fueled by coffee and empanadas, and uh, I was mainly the, the food guy for much of this. Uh, but we worked it out, and, we, and I'm very proud of the results that we achieved. These guys didn't sleep. The laser cowboys were tremendous uh, out in the field. So, the other dynamic that was really challenging about this uh, kind of excavation is that we were a bunch of scientists hanging out by the side of the Pan American Highway with a lot of really expensive looking gear. And this drew a lot of